One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. You are listening to Mist Apex i Racing podcast. Let's get faster. Welcome to Mist Apex iRacing Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I've probably lied to you already because Let's Get Faster is normally in relation to having an expert fast driver on to ask questions. We don't have that today. So in iRating order, or in fact, I don't know everyone's iRating. It's got to be Chris Stevens, highest in the pecking order. I just got up to 2,300, thanks to my podium finish at Phillip Island this week. Ooh, that is sexy. 2,300 probably puts you in the top 1%, 2% of I all, all iRating. No, I saw a graph. 10%. Top, maybe, 1%. I don't know. I don't, there was a graph. And speaking before he's introduced in a massive podcasting faux pas, because he's used to being my right-hand man in all things podcasting, it's Matt. Do rumpets. How's it going, man? Wow. Yeah. Was it, that was it, a good one. You were, you yeah. were, you were, you were lit <laughs> some, on that one. Some extra, uh, there. Uh, what's your eye rating? What are you sitting at? Uh, I think 1965 right now because Ooh. I had, I had the, um, the most unfortunate into last F3 season where I kept on crashing out, but I was, I was up to like the mid 2000s at my peak. Oh, right. Yeah, I think I was as well in the Formula Renault 2.0. I've actually just opened iRacing. So if you hear any noises, that's what happens to check on what my iRating is. Because I, I think I'm there or thereabouts. Oh, no, I've taken a plummet. 1885. See, it's funny. You, you, know, you mentioned the, the hit that you've been having. I've had a really difficult F3 season this year. Last season, even though it was my first one in the series, I was regularly fighting for podiums, got my first win at the end of the season at at Monza. And so far this season, yeah, we're halfway through. And that was my first podium of the season yesterday, which I'm quite surprised. I mean, it's a mix of missing rounds and not having very good races because I keep getting involved in incidents. So I was talking to my my wife about you, actually, Chris. We were talking about sim racing. Okay. Well, we were on these this long country walk, and so we were making conversation. And bless her, she she was like, "You really want to talk about iRacing, don't you?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got exciting <laughs> things coming up. The podcast coming up. We've got uh, the the third round of our current F3 season coming up on Friday, which means we've got our practice session tonight. Fifty five F3 cars on the grid around Barcelona. But we were talking about why you're good at sim racing." And Matt made an interesting comment a while back that when he lost his force feedback, he was suddenly driving very, very differently. And now, Chris, you are, you're not even on a really a good, particularly good system, are you? What's your, what's your wheel? 
It's a Logitech G29, including okay. the pedals. Okay, so that is actually that is a decent one, but it's, it's the below entry level. Yeah, but it's below the, the sort of belt-driven wheels when it comes to oh, like yeah. force and resolution. So there's no excuse for me versus you because I've got a pretty decent rig now to say yeah. like that's you know that's the reason you're better than me because you got better kit. But you, you so naturally seem to do very well at sim racing, whereas in a car, as I've mentioned before. In a go-kart, you should accidentally go faster. You're so poor. Um, But what I've found is the more I've upgraded my kit, the faster I've got. And I wonder with you whether you might have the opposite effect. Like if we put you in a a proper rig that's rumbling with great feedback, might it recreate the karting, the things about karting that make you hold back and not go fast? I don't know. Um, I think upgrading the steering wheel would help me go quicker just because having that extra information coming through the wheel is only going to benefit um, you. And, you know, we, we went in a, a, a very good uh, simulator together at GTS RS um, yeah. in, uh, in Uxbridge. Yeah. So that went very well. I think the thing I would struggle with the most would be adjusting to a load cell brake pedal. So uh, when uh, at the moment I don't have one, which means that the pedal is only really responding to the amount of travel yeah. on it rather than the pressure like a real brake pedal. And and yet you're still able to be very fast in the officials. You've got you've got the pace of the top guys. So for me, when I went from the the normal pedal to a load cell pedal, I instantly gained time and consistency. Like it's a completely different world. And you don't even have to learn how to use the load cell. Like my 10-year-old started using the load cell pedal and he's I forgot that he'd not used it before. And he said, Dad, it's not moving. I'm like, oh, no, no, it's okay. It's not meant to move. He's like, well, how does that work? I'm like, just push on it and you'll kind of just know how it works. It's like very instinctive. Um, So I I don't know. I can't imagine you getting even faster than if you've got a load cell. Well, what's really odd, and I don't know how this has happened either, but the win I got at Monza where braking is super important, where it's like the most heavy track on brakes so how does how does that work yeah and matt you you improved with your consistency as well with the load cell didn't you yeah no uh the load cell helped me out a lot and and even now um as i adjust my brakes um, from circuit to circuit i find that if if i get my brakes correct like i think it was at zolder i was i was fooling about with with my brake uh calibration I think I gained like half a second just by making one shift and suddenly the brakes were working exactly like I needed them to on that circuit. I found half a second. I got to say consistency is the one thing I struggle for the most uh, with uh, with the normal uh, brake pedal I have at the moment. It wasn't so much a problem at Monza, but just at Phillip Island, for example, you have two decent stops mm. and I was struggling for consistency just slowing the car down into that first hairpin, especially. Yeah, now load cell will, will definitely deliver consistency, I think. Um, go on, Matt. I was going to say my favorite thing about being on the load cell and getting it set up properly is as you're breaking into like one of those hairpins, if you do it just right, you can see your inside wheels start to just start to catch and slow down and almost get that little flat spot, not but not quite lock it up. And I, I, I always love that. So we've got um we've got quite a few topics up ahead. We're going to have Mike Holler drop in and talk to us about how schedules in iRacing are formed with voting in the community and how community managers lead that. I had a proper run at the AI race feature 
on iRacing. So some interesting stuff to talk about there. I set Matt the homework to do an Indy DW12 rookie race as well. And we're going to talk a little bit about passing and defending because me and Alex made a, a dueling battle lap video ahead of this uh, F3 tournament that we've got on Friday. Uh, but first, keeping with the feel, I downgraded my wheel, guys. Downgraded, kind of. Monetarily, I downgraded. So if you look at the sim prices on eBay at the moment, second-hand gear is horrendously expensive. So um, I remember getting a T300 wheelbase for around 100 quid at some point, which is reasonable for the upgrade that it was. Looking online now, my wheelbase will sell for about 250 quid on eBay. So the market is insane. Now, Brad found me a, a TSPC wheelbase. So that's the, he said that was an upgrade from the T300. Uh, but it was a bit shabby and a bit beat up looking. 260 quid. It didn't sell. I messaged the guy. I said, would you take 200 for it, given that it's got some cosmetic damage? And I'm worried about the resale eventually. He took that. Uh, I've got it here. Uh, it's got a bit of a bit of a squeaky belt that I need to sort out. He, the buyer's helping me sort that out and getting another discount. So I've downgraded monetarily, but I do have a working TSPC and it's an unfair advantage, Matt. It is a massive upgrade over the T300. I was going to say, you, 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 you sort of left the word significant upgrade out of that because I, I think that's about the best you can do short of going direct drive. No, and when the guy said return it, I was looking around and there wasn't any other TSPCs on eBay and the, f the new price is high. So I was like, no, I'm going to make this work. I don't think it's any coincidence, Spanners, that when we jumped into the first Missed Apex practice session on <laughs> Saturday, you were suddenly a lot more competitive. I, right. So Zolder was the track on the officials last week when I made the switch. I did the swarm practice on a Monday. The wheel arrived on the Tuesday, 1.2 second difference between the T300. And that's why I was talking about how I probably respond better to the feedback that, and you don't need it because you're just better at sims. So I need it to get closer to the feel of, say, a cart. 1.2 seconds improvement overnight is, is, is massive. And that just shows what that extra resolution. And I think what it was is I could just get closer to the limit because I could feel that limit and I didn't have to go, oh, it might snap and I might lose it because I could really feel it. Just to kind of go back to the, the karting comparison, I don't think the single seaters, or especially GT cars, which are very heavy, would feel much like a go-kart. And so Maybe. I, I don't know. Okay, so the only single seater the... I've ever been in was the experience day at the Stowe Circuit at Silverstone where you jump it. And those things, I, they're called Formula Silverstone cars, I think. And they, like they're heavy. The steering on that on those is super heavy. I, I don't know about, uh, obviously, Formula... Uh, aren't the W Series cars, like, they've got super heavy steering as well. And they're basically well, they, F4s. They don't have power steering. It's an F3-level car. Um, it was one of the old Euro Formula Open cars, if I remember rightly. There was... Formula 3 has got a very mixed history in terms of what car you have, and it's the introduction of FIA Formula 3 replacing GP3 on the Formula 1 yeah. support bill has only made things even more confusing. Um, so basically there's three different kind of generations of recent F3 as far as I'm concerned. Okay, so do you think the car in F the F3 and iRacing, the real-life version of that, would that have power steering? 
No, no, absolutely not. That was the car that we used in the European Formula 3 Championship, which for me was the truest uh, F3. It was a little bit slower than what GP3 was at the time. uh, But for me, it was a, a better formula. And you saw people like Lando Norris, for example, go straight from uh, the Euro F3 to Formula 2. Okay. And that was, um, it was a fantastic championship. It wasn't on the uh, F1 support bill, but mm. it's got great drivers who came through it. None the least, you know, Lewis Hamilton, who went from that to GP2. Okay, well, good. We're bringing it back to Sims then. I, f- I feel like I'm getting a realistic experience. I worry that that wouldn't have survived on a play seat. And the only reason I looked at it was because we've got the aluminium rig here now. A sturdy desk might handle it, though. Uh, but what is interesting is that it is... I've now got that other comparison between the T300 and this. So if anyone's wondering if that's a big step up, it, I think it, it is a huge step up. The, the power alone is, I think, nearly 50% higher. The next step is to direct drive wheels, which seems like an, an in inconceivable amount of money to spend on like the podium or whatever it looks like it's 1200 pounds for the wheel and then you've got to get your your actual wheel with the buttons on it um to put on the wheelbase but there's this new fanatec sort of mini direct drive mat that everyone's been getting excited about yeah well the mini direct drive uh power wise falls right into that same bracket as your tsps does it right if you're on a desk if you don't have if you don't have something that can take a real direct drive amount of power, which is easily double, I think, what the new Fanatec has, this would be where you want to look. And to me, the only downside to it would be the fact that you would, if you don't already have a Fanatec wheel, you would have to get a wheel and yeah. a base at the same time. Is that the CSL Elite? Because that is the one I've been looking at for my upgrade when i eventually get around to it no this is this is this is going to be replacing essentially the csl elite the base price is about the same but it's direct drive meaning it's not belt driven it's driven directly by gear so you get better resolution and no fade at all from uh thermal degradation but the big thing here is is the price chris i'll I'll look up the price in a minute but it's i can't i couldn't remember is it like in the four five hundred dollar bracket less I think it was three fifty. Oh right, yeah. Pounds, yeah, yeah. So, Chris's eyes just made the correct. Yeah, it's like what? <laughs> basically, you're getting a much better wheel for the same money. That's astonishing. Well, the technology is. I mean, Carsten mentioned that when he came on the show a couple of weeks ago that he thinks there's going to be basically a new wave in the next couple of years of direct drive wheels. Now, I will say some commentators have been saying stop getting so excited about this new what they're calling a baby direct drive wheel because the power will only quote unquote only be around equivalent to this tspc now i tell you what from a physical point of view this has been a challenge and i've clearly got not got something set right because in a straight line if i take my hands off the wheel it wobbles around and then flings off and flings me off the track so i'm literally at the moment hanging on for dear life and when we did the indie I could feel every single bump and twist in the road. So to say only that strong is 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 a bit misleading because because that's plenty strong enough. It's about the detail and the resolution after that. So I sent you a video on um, that spanners by a guy called Empty Box on uh, YouTube. He has some 
good kind of beginner tutorials and there was one specifically about force feedback because i think a lot of people were especially when they first fire up iRacing don't really know you know what should i have my force feedback settings as and it's very easy to get it wrong it definitely is now the iRacing community in our patron slack group was talking about dory's recommendation for an f uh, a force feedback app did anyone try it so what was it called can you remember what it was called matt it's called IRFFB, and not only have I tried it, I've been using it for quite some ah, time. Ah, so you've been using it successfully. So if you want to see the rundown and details of how to do it, go and find Dory underscore N on YouTube and um, and find his video on on this IRFBB. IRFFB. FFB. Okay. Racing Force Feedback. Okay, so I will caution people that I have not had a good experience. I'll tell you my not good experience. First of all, opened it all up and it kind of immediately did what it said it would do. Not only does it give you all the sliders you would normally get in the options box of iRacing, but it also has a couple of extra features which were really, uh, really appealing. Firstly, it will exaggerate understeer. So you get a much more heightened lightening of the steering as you're losing grip. Um, but there's also a seat of the pants feature, which kind of automatically helps you out instinctively with losing the rear end. So it'll kind of give you a nudge, I think, in the direction. Because you would get some reaction on your physical steering wheel in a cart if you started to lose the back end. So it recreates that, making it easier to, for you to save things. What, what so many of these... Yeah, her little gubbins and tricks and apps and what people who make steering wheels have to contend with is the fact that that steering wheel was your only point of reference for any feedback from the car. Whereas, of course, in reality, you would be feeling it through the the seat, through your buttocks, and through you know your entire body would be feeding back information. Whereas, of course, in in sim racing, you have a a very small contact patch, if you like. Yes. Uh, we'll go to ways to fix that next. But Matt, I yeah. also had a problem where it didn't save my settings. So when I opened it up into like a you know a new session, it was gone. And not only that, but it had disabled my force feedback from iRacing. <laughs> so I suddenly start a session and have no feedback at all. Okay, so two two things about the app. Um, I run it in administrator mode on my PC, and it seems to save everything that way. Good Second shout, thing is, shout. if you were getting in a new car with it, if you don't calibrate the steering, then it won't use the IRFFB to transmit the information to your wheel. So if you've smartly disabled regular force feedback so you don't get double, which has happened to people, I know, then if you get in a new car and you haven't calibrated, you have no feedback whatsoever. You have to calibrate the wheel every new car you get into just the first time. And then if you're in administrator mode, at least for me, it saves it. So you're a fan. What, what do you feel like it gives you? Uh, what it gives me absolutely is exactly what you're talking about. I remember in the um, Renault 2.0, constantly losing the car, especially throttle on exit of corners. And the first time I installed it and got it set up right, because not all the sliders move intuitively. Some of the settings you think should be high or low and vice versa. So you, you should watch a video or, you know, talk to someone who's used it successfully to make sure you've got things in the right place. But once you get set up right, I remember going around a turn and all of a sudden I could feel the back end starting to go and I was able to catch it for the first time in the entire time I'd been iRacing. Nice. And that's good for you, especially you've got a 
you've got a particularly aggressive style, I think, in sim racing. So you like to you like to give it some, don't you, into a corner. I like to get it rotated quickly, early, and get on the throttle as soon as possible through, through every turn. That, that sounds that's, so that's stressful. That's so stressful. Just chill out. Just break early. Cruise around. Cruise around the corner. Half throttle. You're all right. Yeah, I know. There, there are different ways for different corners, but but I tend to be very aggressive. I think with the throttle, especially, um, and and a lot of it comes from like I have a T three hundred, so it's good. But there are definitely a lot of corners where I see myself losing time to people, and and I can't help but feeling it's because I lack that confidence about the exact like I can't feel it soon enough. So as soon as I feel rotated and I already feel like I'm losing time, so I tend to just mash the pedal. So uh, me and Chris now are at the opposite ends of that resolution, whereas I'm now feeling like I can feel when it's about to go under under acceleration. I've probably gained a lot of my time through that. Um, and it was nice running around with some of the fast kids. If I'm in their toe, I could just about keep up with some of them. Uh, but Chris, you're on the other end of the scale, perhaps with less feeling. Do you think that that you just have an instinct for what will be okay, <laughs> and that you can and you can mash the throttle and go, I'll, that'll be all right? I I tend to not have too many problems with uh, power oversteer. My driving style is quite smooth in general. So the way I turn the wheel, it's like you know pushing pushing something through treacle. Really, it's very smooth, quite elegant, and quite similar with the throttle as well. A lot of the time. The problem I have is just overwhelming the rear tires if I'm carrying too much speed into a high-speed corner, for example, mm. or just, just asking a little bit too much of the rear um, mid-corner and on entry. That's when I tend to have those quite lazy spins, and uh, I hope it's the fact that I'm not getting mm. enough feedback through the wheel that means I don't really react to it, is it in, uh, in enough time. Because you're so physically weak that any amount of <laughs> feedback is, is enough to nearly snap your arms. Well, what was uh, quite surprising was you know, first corner at Phillip Islands, flat out in a Formula 3 car. Mm. Some of the setups you have, it can be very, very on the limit. And um, so I was getting those little niggly little twitches that says, look, mate, you're on the limit here. Yeah, you might want to think about just backing out of the throttle 20%. So what I found was when I had to go backwards at some point, I went backwards from a T300 to the G29 at, at some point. I think the T300 broke and uh, a patron just was like, oh, I've got a G29 hanging around. Do you want it? So I met them for a cup of coffee and Bulldog services and got a free G29. <laughs> got to be some perks to doing this this strange job, isn't there? Uh, but I remember then I was just basically having to concentrate more and like really feel and look. It's there, but you just have to be kind of a bit more zen about it. It can maybe be a lot more difficult to take that step back. Yeah. So, so we've talked about on the uh, main podcast, for example, how it's easier for, uh, let's take the example of Max Verstappen stepping up from the Toro Rosso to the Red Bull. There was yeah. an adjustment yeah. period, but it was certainly a lot easier than, say, Daniel Ricciardo going from the Red Bull to the Renault. Mm-hmm. Matt? Yeah, well, this is where I think Brad and I really disagree most, because there is a level of detail. And this is the thing about IRFFB that I like. There's a level of detail that says the car is a little unsettled. Now, Brad is like, give me all the informations, please. I'm like, if it's not going to spin the car, if I start to feel that unsettling coming on, I will yes. back off and lose time. Right. And that's what I meant when I had that, when I accidentally got on and didn't have, have my feedback enabled. 
suddenly there were turns I was going through much faster because I wasn't getting, because I was able to go through that speed, but without feeling the unsettling that wasn't going to make a difference anyway. Yeah. So where I might have had an equivalent here is where I did the Indy race, the ovals. Chris, I know you didn't have time to do it, but it's the Indy DW12 track racer something something series, but it's a rookie series. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a zero SR zero mm. IR loss series. It's, it's, it's entirely for beginners. And it's like right up at the top. Yeah. If you filter by ovals, when you look at yeah, the series, entirely for beginners, but also just like the fastest car that you could jump into. And it's crazy. Me and my boy have been having loads of fun with it with the TSPC. It was a physical nightmare and I could feel bumps and I was reacting to bumps that I probably didn't need to action on, but because I was feeling something Maybe I li- oh maybe I best lift there. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I'm I'm about. You want the minimum amount of feedback necessary to not crash the car. Anything more than that, uh, to me at least, is a distraction, and it will cause me to lose time. So, but that's the difference between immersion and performance. So I also tend to err towards immersion. So I will give up some lap time for 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 a bit more immersion. Like I've said here on here before. You could give me four tenths of a second to do triple monitors and I wouldn't give up the VR to do it. So from an experience point of view, it is it is wonderful. But from the next, we'll come back to the Indian in just a second, but the next bit of immersion to go to next, because like all, uh, all addicts, the one hit is never enough. You're always looking for the next hit. So despite having upgraded the wheel, I'm reading the forums and everyone is talking about these butt kickers, rumble pedals. Anyone tempted by anything like that? Not really. No, that doesn't. Do- no. <laughs> I'll tell you why. It's because apparently I've been spoiled because I've been on actual, actual motion simulators before. But the, the butt kickers don't give you any extra information that you don't already have. And it's not as really feeling as being in an actual motion simulator, either two or three degrees. And But once you get into motion simulators, the engineering, the bioengineering of your brain gets to be a lot more complicated and takes a super amount of fine tuning. I'm not going to so ask my wife if I can get a motion rig map. <laughs> At what point on this podcast do we say, and the next level immersion, getting in a real race car? <laughs> Oi, you, not doing real world racing, my goodness. You can you get should. nasty cuts and scrapes. Well, I would. I'd go karting if it wasn't for the global pandemic. I love running karting events. And don't give me no, 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 no. Karting in an outdoor fast rental car is plenty high level enough for most of the people listening. I am talking about go and do some club racing. Yeah, I think you do a pretty good job. At, yes, 750 motor club. Go and talk to Pip about getting into his road sports car or something. Go and go and do something because there's loads of really great stuff. Shout out to Sam Watley who uh, organizes our sessions for the Mist Apex series and puts them up in the UI for everyone to join. Let us ride me and Van Jean ride in his Peugeot uh, two hundred six production cup car, and that was a really good experience. Uh, and before the pandemic struck, I was looking to like maybe get into stuff like that, but the cost of one weekend. So once you're set up and one race. The cost of that, I could have two of the most amazing, most immersive sims and be on that all the time competing day in, day out. 
Yeah, but it's real spanners. This is real. What are you on about? It's a real thing. It's not It's not a pretend sim. It's not an imaginary sim. Um, the racing experience for me, I feel it does match a karting event. And I'll, I'll stand by that. I don't think I've got the budget to go out and do a 750 motorsport series. So I will say, and I think I've talked about this before on, on previous shows, is that the racing for me in in esports would be far superior to anything I could do in real life. If I drove a real life racing car on a real racetrack with real other people, I would not get anywhere near them, probably not for a very long time anyway. Whereas, you know, last night I was having a fantastic ding dong battle for the lead with two other people. I don't think, I think if we jumped into Formula Fords, I don't think you'd complete a lap. I reckon I'd do a lap. No, I reckon you'd just... Not a very good one. I think you'd pull over and just stop and go, nah. That's you. You're the one who always keeps his nose clean. I'd get round, though. I confidently predict you'd pull up after half a lap and just go, nah, that's stupid. I'm not doing that. But anyway, there's also the the experience level, I think, I would be willing to, to explore. And with those butt kickers, I assume they attach to the seat and rumble. Uh, so that's, that's interesting. It would be immersive to somebody who just sat down and you wanted to give them the full experience of, hey, come to my house and experience this thing. And they'd go away with a warm, fluffy feeling, even if they didn't get the full, you know, the full experience and information. The interesting one that Matt, Matthew has been talking about in the Slack group is the pedal rumbles and those giving you actual feedback, for example, like, rumble when you're locking rumble more if you've really locked that piqued my interest a little bit yeah that again if you're getting information through your feet that you're not getting through your wheel that seems to me much more useful and especially i mean i know from having in real life locked up brakes more than the odd time (laughs) you do you do feel that although now everybody's got abs so eh whatever Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss yeah that's a good point yeah I, I remember my dad being completely surprised on the way to an airport about a traffic jam 
and he was going stupid fast. He used to go stupid fast. And he saw the traffic jam suddenly and he, he broke as hard as he could. Big wheel screech, big lock. And then he went, oh, phew, that was close, without realising that he'd only actually slowed down to about 30 miles an hour and then had to brake again and lock again. To, and we only just avoided hitting it. But we looked behind us and you had the big 11 down thing, which you don't really see anymore because everyone's got ABS. So we had the big tyre mark 11. So let's get back to some iRacing. It's an iRacing podcast, after all. A little bit earlier in the day, we caught up with Mike Holler, who is a listener and a patron and also happens to be a community manager over at the IndyPro 2000 series on iRacing. So we thought it'd be a good idea to, to get him on so we could understand a little bit about how the schedules for the seasons are put together. I started by asking Mike to describe his role in that community. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm a volunteer uh, community manager for iRacing uh, in the IndyPro 2000 series. Uh, not F3, unfortunately, can't uh, can't speak to that. <laughs> but um, what uh, what we're tasked with is helping the community figure out what it wants from its schedule, since uh, there's obviously a bunch of diverse people who race on iRacing and with diverse people come diverse opinions and, uh, and sometimes some very heated ones. And uh, it's, you know, it's sort of our job to figure out what we want in terms of uh, this, this, the season in terms of the schedule. And we do that through voting and through community processes. So it's, it's really interesting that iRacing, instead of say setting out to just produce what they think will make a good series, they actually put it out to community managers like yourself and the community is that an active decision? Do you think it was proactive, or were they kind of forced into it by lots of complaints about rubbish seasons? And they went, "Okay, fine. Well, we'll let you choose. Then you can't complain." Yeah. So you know, I tried to look. I, I looked into a, a lot of the history behind this stuff before I got involved. Um, the uh, The forums have a lot of information, but it's sort of difficult to difficult to find sometimes. And the iRacing does not schedule they do schedule some series right like especially the endurance the endurance series and a lot of the uh the d-class level series um as uh as well um like the usf 2000 which is like the little sister car to the indy pro 2000 mm. a little bit weaker engine things like that um they they handle the schedule for that and um so they, they sort of mix it up they they decide which which seasons they want scheduled by the community and which not uh, i think it uh, from my perspective and you know as a as a uh, not as a community manager but you know as a as a, as a fan someone who enjoys uh, driving and racing yeah. um it it removes the conflict of interest from them to continue to push new content right if uh, if it's what people are asking for then that's what they get um versus you know hey here here's some tracks that nobody ever races on go ahead and go ahead and buy them okay all this season i'm sure they still retain some right to overrule and, and make a decision so in the f3 calendar like long island was always going to be there as a new purchase track w- whatever anyone voted for uh long beach yeah long beach um, sorry yeah long island that's <laughs> no, all right <laughs> um you, you know like you, you'd think that um people really really want to see the new content at least the ones who are engaged in voting in it um you know i i don't know if that's uh that's through engagement right like if you're more interested involved in the community you're more likely to maybe spend more on content and more likely to want the new things and see the new things so i'm just gonna pop in here because like i'm curious i you get an email or you get a notification in your member email oh new tracks but on new tracks Uh, have you ever experimented with things like 
post-race surveys, like you just did a race at this track. Do you want to race on it again next season as a way to get more racers engaged? Because I would be very curious as to the response rate to like the sort of standard, here's the new season, here are the potential tracks, who's going to vote? Yeah, so I, I can get you into a little more of the voting process if you'd like to hear about that. Um, yeah. So, so what we do is, uh, it, at least in our series, and it's very different for all of them. There's no, there's no like, iRacing does not say you must hold the votes like this, right? It's, it's all what, what we want as a group. That's interesting. Um, I, and I, I'm actually uh, community managers with, and I have to uh, name drop a couple people, Fabio, Doug, Jason, and Kevin, who are um, also uh, community managers in IndyPro. We're sort of a, a group right. um, that manages it, and I'm, I'm uh, leading that charge. But the reason, the reason that we have that group is because there's a lot of diverse opinions in IndyPro 2000. It runs ovals, it runs uh, road courses, and there's a, a bent towards uh, U.S. circuits, too, because Indy is a more U.S.-angled uh, thing. And people have different opinions about that. Uh, some people really, really want uh, more all U.S. circuits. Some people really want all Euro circuits because they think they're better. Um, some people want more ovals, less ovals. And so we, we have we have a survey that we put out um, week five every season. So we actually have one out now and we stopped the votes for it um, earlier on Monday. We gave yeah. it about a week and a half. Um, it, it, we, we, ask, uh, we ask questions about what tracks you would like. Uh, there's recurring tracks as well. So with recurring tracks, uh, we ask for uh, if people would be interested in alternate layouts uh, with, the, uh, with the tracks that... Um, that, that, are, that are new, we pull from the selection based on popularity that we, we have a, we have a whole document. It's like something <laughs> like something like 10, 15 pages that I wrote up with the, uh, the other team members to, okay. to, to determine what goes into the selection process uh, to help make everybody happy. And as fascinating as that process, I'm sure is and took to evolve. Uh, what I'm interested in really is, is how we feel. I like the, argument between the more US tracks, more ovals. So from an F3 point of view, especially us being a, an F1 focused single seater podcast, like I'm screaming out for F3 is a F1 feeder series, use all the F1 tracks. But when the schedule gets released, you know, and you've got a lot of Phillip Island, uh, Alton Park, a Road Atlanta, tracks which for my money don't give me kind of the F3 experience, you wonder about that voting process. So is it because there are some very vocal people? It's like the vocal minority that are the ones that are casting their votes. Or the other thing is, is is it that those are tracks where aliens can really kind of do their alien thing more? So uh, to to use uh, Indie Pro as an example, the the U.S. Uh, versus international tracks is, uh, or North American versus international tracks is a sort of similar thing, right? Like. The, the Indy Pro 2000 would only ever race on on U.S. tracks, mm. uh, North American tracks, and and someone like you in 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 this, this series, might, yeah, yeah this is the equivalent. Um, and and the the argument, the corollary on the other side is that uh, you know there's some really really great circuits uh, on in, in other parts of the world that uh, this car would never have the chance to go to. Uh, but you know this is this is it's cheap. You, you know the reason they don't do it in real life is because it's expensive to get over there to do all that, all that international travel, and you can experience the circuits in different cars. Um, it, you know that's that's at least for for going to and, different and cars. which side, Mike, do you find yourself on? Ah, I, I, I battle with that all the time. Um, there there are there are some tracks that I, I really really like on on, uh, on both sides of the pond as it is. Um, and, uh, you know, e even, even with ovals, I, I 
tend towards a variety. I don't like doing uh, all all one thing. I'll try to mix up what I do, not just in the series, but in in uh, in the other series that I race as well. I go between mm. ovals and in uh, dirt road uh, things like that, just to really uh, mix things up and keep it fresh. Before we before we let you go though, um, how do we use this to our advantage? So we talked yeah. about the active voters. How can I whip up? How can I whip up my uh, iRacing community that we have here around Mist Apex to make it so that F3 is all F1 tracks? Yeah. So the the first thing you have to do is uh, figure out uh, if, if you said F3, which is, but if you're for any series, you figure out what uh, what who schedules it. If it's is it iRacing or is it community managers? And then, you know, once you find out community managers, usually there's a sticky at the top of the cars forum in the iRacing forum. Uh, I need to go on the forums more. Yeah. And then, um, when, once you see that, uh, then I, I think it's around week six, uh, one of the, the iRacing employee community people, uh, drops a message in, uh, in the forum to say like, Hey, the community managers need to submit their schedule by a certain time. And usually around that time, you'll start to see voting polls pop up. Uh, in in our series, in IndyPro 2000, we we actively send uh, ballots to people using the private message feature. Right. So they'll get like an email and things like that. Um, not not all series do that. That is that is so fa- just look it, for the post in the forum. It is fascinating for something that takes up like you know we have a regular Wednesday night, and the schedule as it comes out really does affect whether people want to bother turning up. And we've taken a real yeah. hit actually this this year with the F3. So many people have just turned around and gone that schedule sucks. Um, I will see you for about a quarter of the races. So really interesting to see how that process comes about. Uh, Mike, do tell me that you'll jump back on and tell us more about the stuff that happens in community manager world and give us a bit of an insight into the forums at some point. Oh yeah. I'd love to come on again. If you'll have me, this has been great. And did you have a Twitter or something? I don't, I'm really not, uh, not very much on social media, uh, but I do the stuff in iRacing. Um, mm. and I also, uh, do a, uh, a, a a league that we host as well, um, not associated with any iRacing official series called Praxis Motorsports, which you can find on praxismms.net. Um, we're doing a league first session this Sunday uh, in preference to North American times generally. So it'll be a little bit late for uh, anyone in Europe. <laughs> well, we've got a lot of American listeners as well. So send me a link. We'll pop that in the show notes. Um, not on social media, eh? But how do you guarantee you can be mad by doom scrolling things? Interesting. You must be happy. Mike Holler, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you, guys. All right, boys. What did you make of that, Chris? Uh, really, really interesting. Um, it's it's great to hear that they're listening to the community and, and you know, what the, what the users uh, want to do. It's a, a refreshing idea, um, to be honest. Well, that does explain why the F3 has been a bit was a bit dodgy. I reckon it was a yeah, a vocal minority who have a real kind of passion for some of those minor tracks that aren't on the support calendar map and that has driven that has driven it, which is great for them and you could say it's got its merits, but clearly I bet it's affected the numbers. Yeah, well, I if if real life is any guide, probably almost no one who actually does the series uh participates in in the voting. You know, so so I I would imagine you know, like just based on New York City primaries, like sometimes it's 15, 20 percent turnout for, for the primaries where you're actually usually picking the winner. And I wouldn't be surprised if we get these weird tracks because someone somewhere has organized a group of people to just say, yes, we want this track. So I, I will say, Spanners, I, I 
kind of disagree with the notion that you know you want to you want to put them all on on Formula One tracks. That's what I want. Now, well, and I'm assuming that everyone in our community is going to agree with me. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I mean, there uh, they might don't get me wrong. There, are, you know, there there are some great tracks that Formula One does not race on, and uh, that you know a lot of the support series of Formula One did not race on. And I think if we're going to try and go for a realism aspect here, you know, I said it earlier in the podcast that car was not on the F1 support bill. It was in European Formula 3 championship car. And there were four tracks that uh, iRacing uh, does not... What, three that iRacing does not have and one that's not on the calendar. And that is Po for the Po Grand Prix, right. Macau from the Macau Grand nope, Prix, which I would love to see nope. in iRacing. Nope, nope, nope. And uh, Norris Ring, which oh. was another really great one that that championship raced at. And I would love to see as well the Masters of Formula Three recreated at, at Zandvoort um, in in iRacing. I think if we could try and lobby something like that, that would for me would just elevate the whole F three experience. I have no problem going to tracks that aren't part of the F one thing, but as someone who loves F one, I will say it's delightful to be able to race isn't on the it, tracks, isn't it? Yes, that the drivers are going to be racing on it, it. It really it informs how you think about what they're doing, and you just know the track so much better. And they did line up Imola with the F1 Imola Grand Prix, and my enjoyment of the F1 weekend was massively enhanced by having just done the officials. Fully agree with you on that. What I also love about esports in general is that we are not bound by real world, you know, limitations. And so, you know, like we, he was talking about with the with the USMD 2000 is that, well, we can go and race on European tracks that this car would not have had the opportunity to race on in real life. And I love the fact that we can just go and, and race anywhere that we want, provided it's on, on iRacing. You know, and so that variety for me is also very appealing. That's true. But if we're going to do it on votes, you know, at some point it's going to be, oh, it should be f3 at lime rock someone's gonna do it and go oh is, is f3 a to, to oh gosh it's the one that begins with t and then has an s oh scuba oh is that how you say it i've, I've guessed every time to scoob no scuba yeah okay all right well democracy eh what are you gonna do all right so let's see if we can go about manipulating that i'm not saying we shouldn't try some non-f1 tracks i'm just saying if you've got a 12 week run with f3 Throw your spas and your Interlagoses and your and your Nurburgring Grand Prix tracks. You know those those kind of gimmies. They're gimmies. Give me give me eight of those and then chuck in something interesting for the other four. That's what I do. But no one listens to me. Before we get accused of being too single seater, as too F three obsessed, sir. What did you make of my homework to to go and do an IndyCar oval race map? Well, since you demand an accounting, I have to tell you, my first race, I qualified about the middle of the field, like 14th or 15th. Well done. And on the pace car lap, the person two spots ahead of me was weaving (laughs) and managed to crash the person ahead of me and me out when they lost control of their car. So So that was my first race. So you failed to make the start of the first race, right? Got it. Yep. Um, and then the second race I did this morning had one other person in it. Yes. I did, I, I did do the full 30 laps. And the thing that I really found interesting, because I gained like easily a second um, 
over over the two races. So it was at Pocono, which is a short oval, and it required some lifting, just the tiniest bit of lifting to really get the car around the corners. If you kept it planted, you yeah. would you would understeer into walls. Well, it, was a, it was a tri-oval, wasn't it? Yeah. There was, was like was three a, bends. It was a tri-oval, which is the uh, same as Daytona, but but shorter. What I found was that was very interesting was about maybe about after about eight laps, your tires start to go. They absolutely start to go. You can't maintain the same speed or you crash, which I did on lap 13. But I won the race anyway, because the only other person in the race with me quit halfway through. And the other thing is that you have to make a pit stop. There's not quite enough fuel to do the whole thing. Right. See, I didn't know that because on that track configuration, when I did it, I binned it on lap 15. So we'd done it on previous tracks, but I've been at lap 15 having, I was running in third and it was a 17 car pack and it was great. You know, I, I have not been somebody who has been a fan of oval racing at all, but the skill is different (laughs) and it's not quite as, yes, you need to jump on the brakes. It's not quite as, as rhythmic in a weird way. But it isn't as repetitive as you might suspect, especially when you are when you're in a pack. If you're on your own, it can get really dull quite quick. But in that pack, the evolution of the racing was genuinely amazing, and I, I want to know more. Well, it's interesting. Um, I, I run the the majors series, the majors league, and the first race I did with them was the uh, Legend Stock Car at Daytona. And I really thought I would be terrible at it because I haven't done any stock car racing. But truthfully, what I found it to be a lot like that I had done a lot of was racing bicycles where you're constantly in a pack on the road and there's this constant shifting back and forth. You're using the draft always to save fuel, to save tires. And and it's, it, it's an enormous challenge, but I felt much more at home than, than I thought I would. Yeah, so, so far with the ovals, we've done the street stocks as well. If you get yourself into a good pack and a good race, it's genuinely absorbing. However, only about a third or a quarter of the times that I've signed up and done it have I found myself in a race like that. Whereas if I'm mid-pack on my own F3 round Barcelona, I will still have a fantastic time. I feel like I can play beat the clock a lot more. But it's not quite the same when you're on your own in the ovals. You are, you're thirsting after those battles and it's hard to find them at the moment. Like you said, one person in your, your race this morning... I for UK time, it doesn't get busy until quite late at night. I, I kind of have a similar feeling about endurance racing. Um, a lot yes, of the time. that's interesting. I, I don't think it's a fantastic TV spectacle a lot of the time, um, but to actually take part in is fantastic because once you're kind of through the the melee of of the start, you are constantly engaged by who am I lapping, who's lapping me. I've got a quick car car right behind me. How am I going to try and let him through losing the least possible time? And that is a fantastic mental challenge that you are constantly going through that is kind of impossible to communicate on television. And so that's why it's one of those things where you have to to do it to appreciate it. All right, good. Well, we're, we're, we're spreading our wings. We're getting a bit away from the single seaters i need to be bullied more in general to to watch other motorsport i've been trying for years to get you to watch other motorsports it's it's just that i value your opinion so lowly that i needed to come to my own conclusion over the course of several years instead terrible 
See, I was going to go with he's just not intimidating enough. What, Chris? Yeah, that's true. I'm not, am yeah. I? You need to force me. But anyway, that's good. And I, and I like experience different kinds of racing. And I like that we have the fun race organized by uh, Richard Molden, our race control guy, so that after our F3 rounds, we all jump on and do something random. Like, uh, I think we did radicals around a half circuit of the Nürburgring last time. We've done an indie race at some point as well. We've done Legends, a Dirt as well. So at least we're getting a taste of some different stuff. I am hoping that if I say this on the podcast, it will have to happen. But I'm hoping that at some point, the three of us and some of our extra panelists can form together some sort of official Missed Apex esports or iRacing team, and we can go and tackle things like the N24 or the Bathurst 12 Hours. Ah, okay. So this is a good place to end it then. Uh, We were going to talk about some passing and defending. We can save that for next week. All I'll say is go on the Missed Apex Motorsport channel and you can see the video that I made with uh, Van Jean fighting and defending around Barcelona. So we do want to get into the endurance stuff as a organization. We already have an active enduro uh, community. Um, but there was one event in June, which I've forgotten what it was. There's gonna there's a June event that I was aiming for where we will go all in as a panel and I'll, I'll bully all our all our crew to get involved, have teams and whip up our single seater community as well to all go and flood one of these tournaments. That sounds fantastic. I'd be so game for that. I think the only one that might be kind of closed off is something like Le Mans, because I think you might need to have like an A class for, for some of those events, but most of them should be like B, C uh, class, which most of our guys have. Can you remember what it is in June? Not off the top of my head, but that's because um, I think Major Series is doing a 24-hour of Le Mans on June 12th, which probably will not be license-restricted. Oh, okay. So we'll do, we'll do something like that. And what we can do is we can have a, like an OG production team. So we can have us three plus someone really fast from the community. We'll nick, we'll have a ringer and us three. You've got you to have, you know, your, your, <laughs> your platinum driver or a, a silver, maybe a bronze and actually, one of the new Missed Apex panelists, who's going to be who you're going to hear on the main F1 show uh, over the course of the next month or two, has set world records in iRacing. So we'll have him. We'll have him on our team. That counts. Also, you want an international panel as well, don't you? So that when everyone's you want some Aussies in there to do to do the night shift. Yep. You mean, well, yeah, to introduce latency and get in uh, to a bunch of netcoats. Oh, yeah. No, I think we should do that because we've probably got enough Aussies and Kiwis that you, you basically have to have a token a token Aussie. But we, we should do it primarily because uh, some of the unofficial Missed Apex liveries that the guys whipped up for the Daytona 24 hours in particular were stunning. And I want to race one and I want to keep it for future events all right well tune in next week for next week's episode of spanners matt and friends try to remember stuff but can't quite recall it until then work hard be kind and have fun this was missed apex i racing podcast we didn't get any faster we don't need no stinking experts chris We've got you to, to tell us how to go fast on Phillip Island. Yeah, man. I was bombing it. We've got Matt to be cynical about everything. I don't need no stinking rumble pads. Yeah, well, somebody had to be skeptical of that, and it turned out to be me. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 